0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the World of Percy Jackson. In this episode, we're going to read chapters 38 to 39, and in the previous episode, we read chapters 36 to 37. And previously, we were following Annabeth as she made her journey to find the Athena Parthenos, and luckily, she was able to, but, one, but came one final challenge for her that we still don't know how it ended up, as Annabeth had finally needed to face Arachne, one of Minerva's greatest nemesis, as... We all know the infamous story of how Minerva had turned Arachne from a weaver into a spider, forever weaving her webs of destruction. So we slowly transitioned from Annabeth's, uh battle with Arachne, who, which still to be determined in terms of the winner. Uh, we slowly trans- transitioned to Leo, Hazel, and Frank. And tried to see what they're up to in parts of their side of the journey, and they were attempting to find Nico. And through that they had been able to find a little hole in the bottom of in the bottom of the ground. And Hazel had gone underground first, because she is the daughter of Pluto and is more equipped with the knowledge of underground than compared to the other two. But unfortunately, to their uh, in, uh, to their misfortune they had met some wacky tourists who also turned out to be idolons. so in an attempt to escape them they ended up going through the same underground place that now hazel was exploring so now we're going to read chapter 38 to see how the rest of this is going to fare while the trio now navigates underground which is going to be fascinating chapter 38 Leo. One problem solved. The hatch above them closed automatically, cutting off their pursuers. It also cut off of light. But Leo and Frank could deal with that. Leo just hoped they didn't need to get out the same way they came in. He wasn't sure he could open the tile from underneath. At least the possessed manatee dudes were on the other side. Over Leo's head, the marble floor shuddered, like fat touristy feet were kicking it. Frank must have turned back to human form. Leo could hear him wheezing in the dark. What? Now? Frank asked. Okay, don't freak, Leo said. I'm going to summon a little fire, just so we can see. Thanks for the warning. Leo's index finger blazed like a birthday candle. In front of them stretched a stone tunnel with a low ceiling, just as Hazel had predicted, and slanted down, then leveled out and went south. Well, Leo said, it only goes in one direction. Let's find Hazel, Frank said. Leo had no argument with that suggestion. They made their way down the corridor, Leo going first with the fire. He was glad to have Frank at his back, big and strong and able to turn into scary animals in case of those possessed tourists somehow broke through the hatch, squeezed inside and followed them. He wondered if the Eidolons might just leave those bodies behind, seep underground and possess one of them instead. Oh, there's my happy thought of the day, Leo scolded himself after a hundred feet or so they turned a corner and found hazel in the light of her golden cavalry sword she was examining a door she was so engrossed she didn't notice them until leo said hi hazel whirled, trying to swing her spatha fortunately for leo's face the blade was too long to wield in the corridor what are you doing here hazel demanded leo gulped sorry we ran into some angry tourists he told her what had happened she hissed in frustration. I hate Eidolons. I thought Piper made them to promise to stay away. Oh, Frank said. Like he just made his own daily happy thought. Piper made them promise to stay off the ship and not possess any of us. But if they followed us and used other bodies to attack us, then they're not technically breaking their vow. great, Leo muttered. Eidolons were also lawyers. Now I really want to kill them. Okay, forget them for now, Hazel said this door is giving me fits leo can you try your skill with the lock leo cracked his knuckles hey stand aside for the master please the door was interesting much more complicated than the roman numeral combination lock above the entire door was coated in imperial gold a mechanical sphere about the size of a bowling ball was embedded in the center the sphere was constructed from five concentric rings, each inscribed with zodiac symbols. The bull, the scorpion, etc., and seemingly random numbers and letters. These letters are Greek, Leo said in surprise. Well, lots of Romans spoke Greek. Hazel said, I guess, Leo said, but this workmanship, no offense to your Camp Jupiter types, but this is too complicated to be Roman. Frank snorted. (laughs) Where you, whereas you Greeks just love making things complicated. Hey, Leo protested. All I'm saying is this machinery is delicate, sophisticated. It reminds me of... Leo stared at the sphere, trying to recall where he'd heard or read about a similar ancient machine. It's a more advane- advanced sort of lock, you decided. You line up the symbols on the different rings in the right order, and that opens the door. But what's the right order? Hazel asked good question greek spheres uh, astronomy geometry leo got a warm feeling inside Ugh, no way i wonder what's the value of pi frank frowned what kind of pie he means the number hazel guessed i learned that in math class once but it's used to and measure circles leo said the sphere if it's made by the guy i'm thinking of hazel and frank both stared at him blankly "'Never mind,' Leo said. "'I'm pretty sure pi is uh, 3.1415 blah 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 blah. "'The number goes on forever, but the sphere has only five rings, "'so that should be enough, if I'm right.' "'And if you're not?' Frank said. "'Well then, Leo fall down, go boom, let's find out.' "'He turned the rings, starting on the outside, and moving in. "'He ignored the zodiac signs and letters, "'lining up the correct numbers, so they made the value of pi. "'Nothing happened.' "'I'm stupid.' Leo mumbled. Pi would expand outward because it's infinite. He reversed the order of the numbers, starting in the center and working toward the edge. When he aligned the last ring, something inside the sphere clicked. The door swung open. Leo beamed at his friends. That, good people, is how we do things in Leo World. Come on in! I hate Leo World, Frank muttered. Hazel laughed. Inside was enough cool stuff to keep Leo busy for years. The room was about the size of the forge back at Camp Halfblood, with bronze-topped work tables along the walls and baskets full of ancient metalworking tools. Dozens of bronze and scold spheres like steampunk basketballs, sat around in various stages of dis- disassembly. Loose gears and wiring littered the floor. Thick metal cables ran from each table toward the back of the room where there was an enclosed loft like a theater sound booth. Stairs led up to the booth on either side. All the cables seemed to run into it. Next to the stairs on the left, a row of cubby holes was filled with leather cylinders, probably an ancient scroll case. Leo was about to head toward the tables when he glanced to his left and nearly jumped out of his shoes. Flanking the doorway were two armored mannequins, like skeletal scarecrows made from bronze pipes outfitted with full suits of Roman armor. Shield and sword. Dude, Leo walked up to one. These would be awesome if they worked. Frank edged away from the mannequins. Those things are gonna come alive and attack us, aren't they? Leo laughed. <laughs> Not a chance. They aren't complete. He tapped the nearest mannequin's neck, where loose copper wire sprouted from underneath its breastplate. Look, the head's wiring been disconnected. And here, at the elbow, the pulley system for this joint is out of alignment. My guess, the Romans were trying to duplicate a Greek design, but they didn't have the skill. Hazel arched her eyebrows. The Romans weren't good enough at being complicated, I suppose. (laughs) Or delicate, Frank added, or sophisticated. Hey, I just call it like I see it. Leo juggled the mannequin's head, making it nod like it was agreeing with him. Still, pretty impressive try. I've heard legends that the Romans confiscated the writings of Archimedes, but... Archimedes? Hazel looked baffled. Wasn't he an ancient mathematician or something? Leo laughed. <laughs> he was a lot more than that. He was only the, only, he was only the f- most famous son of Ephesus who ever lived. Frank scratched his ear. I've heard his name before, but how can you be sure this mannequin is his design? It has to be, Leo said. Look, I've read all about Archimedes. He's a hero to Cabin 9. The dude was Greek, right? He lived in one of the Greek colonies in southern Italy. Back before Roman got all huge and took over... Finally, the Romans moved in and destroyed his city. The, the Roman general wanted to spare Arch- Archimedes because he was so valuable. Sort of like the Einstein of the old ancient world. But some stupid Roman soldier killed him. There you go again, Hazel muttered. Stupid and Roman don't always go together, Leo. Frank grunted agreement. How do you know all of this anyway? He demanded. Is there a Spanish tour guide around here? No, man, Leo said can't be a demigod who's into building stuff and not know about Archimedes. the guy was seriously elite calculated the value of pi he did all this math stuff we still use for engineering he invented a hydraulic screw that could move water through pipes hazel scowled a hydraulic screw excuse me for not knowing about that awesome achievement he also built a death ray made of mirrors that could burn enemy ships well said is that awesome enough for you I saw something about that on TV, Frank admitted. They proved it didn't work. Ah, that's just because modern mortals don't know how to use celestial bronze, Leo said. That's the key. Archimedes also invented a massive claw that could swing on a crane and pluck enemy ships out of the water. Okay, that's cool, Frank admitted. I love grabber-arm games. Well, there you go, Leo said. Anyway, all his inventions were enough. The Romans destroyed his city. Archimedes was killed. According to legends, the Roman general was a big fan of his work. So he raided Archimedes' workshop and carted a bunch of souvenirs back to Rome. They disappeared from history, except... Leo waved his hand at the stuff on the tables. Here they are. Metal basketballs? Hazel asked. Leo couldn't believe that they didn't appreciate what they were looking at, but he tried to contain his irritation. Guys, Archimedes constructed spheres. The Romans couldn't figure them out. They thought they were just telling for telling time or falling constellations because they were covered with pictures of stars and planets. But that's like finding a rifle and thinking it's a walking stick. Leo, the Romans were top-notch engineers, Hazel reminded him. They built aqueducts, roads, siege weapons, Frank added, public sanitation. Yeah, fine, Leo said. But Archimedes wasn't a class by himself. His fears could do all sorts of things. Only nobody is sure... Suddenly, Leo got an idea so incredible that his nose burst into flames. He patted it out as quickly as possible. Man, it was embarrassing when that happened. He ran to the row of cubby holes and examined the markings on the scroll cases. Oh, gods. This is it. He gingerly lifted out one of the scrolls. He wasn't great at ancient Greek, but he could tell the inscription on the case read, On Building Spheres. Guys, this is the lost book. His hands were shaking. Archimedes wrote this, describing these construction methods, but all the copies were lost in ancient times. If I can translate this, the possibilities were endless. For Leo, the quest had now totally taken on a new dimension. Leo had to get the spheres and the scrolls safely out of here. He had to protect this stuff until he could get it back to Bunker 9 and study it. The secrets of Archimedes, he murmured. Guys, this is bigger than Daedalus' laptop. If there's a Roman attack on Camp half these secrets could save the camp. They might even give us an edge over Gaia Gaia and the giants. Hazel and Frank glanced at each other skeptically. Okay, Hazel said. We didn't come here for a scroll, but I guess we could take it with us. Assuming, Frank added, that you don't mind sharing its secrets with us stupid, uncomplicated Romans. What?! Leo stared at him blankly. No, look, I didn't mean to insult. Ah, never mind. The point is, this is good news. For the first time in days, Leo really felt hopeful. Naturally, that's when everything went wrong. On the table next to Hazel and Frank, one of the orbs clicked and whirred. A row of spindly legs extended from its equator. The orbs stood, and two bronze cables shot out from the top, hitting Hazel and Frank like taser wires. Leo's friends both crumpled to the ground, to the floor. Leo lunged to help them, but the two armored mannequins that couldn't possibly move, did move. They drew their swords and stepped toward Leo. The one on the left turned its head crooked hel- helmet, which was shaped like a wolf's head. Despite the fact that it had no face or mouth, a familiar hollow voice spoke from behind its visor. You cannot escape us, Leo Valdez, it said. We do not like possessing machines, but they are better than tourists. You will not leave here alive. And that's the end of chapter thirty. Eight. Well, that was definitely quite a fascinating chapter. You can see the amount of excitement that Leo had, just when you can compare it to uh, Annabeth's excitement when she had finally been able to meet Daedalus and his all his amazing inventions. You can see that same amount of enthusiasm as he's talking about Archimedes and the amount of sheer knowledge that Archimedes had, had and what he had created from that knowledge is just so awe-inspiring inspiring to Leo. And I think... It's just insane just watching him being able to talk so much about Daedalus. And honestly, I think, you know, sometimes he gets so happy and caught up with, you know, his love for machines and just engineering in general that sometimes maybe he says things that, you know, other people may take it as a bit rude. But in all honesty, I think he's really soft and he's really kind at the heart. And I think that's what you know, Hazel and Frank really do understand about Leo, or will start to, or start understanding about Leo that, you know, he doesn't really mean everything that he says, even if it does sound rude on the outside, once you start actually thinking about it, it's just, you know, he just gets so excited about stuff that, you know, it's, he just, you know, blabbers stuff out, but I think this is also an important step for Leo as well, as he starts to learn that sometimes... He can't always blabber everything. He has to, you know, also want, think about what he says as well, because you know, he when he's st- you know, with people w- w- when making new friends, right? I think he got really, really scared when Nemesis was like, "You're gonna be left alone." That really psyched him out. And with the fact that you know he has Haz- he was taught he has Hazel and Frank now, you know, and he's coming along with them for this mission. I think that you know that got him a bit overexcited, and that just you know allowed him to just share his love for his machines and I think once they start spending a bit more time together I think you know it could really bring them close together like a bond and I think Hazel and Frank will appreciate Leo for his love of machines and Leo will do the same for Hazel and Frank's abilities so I think that this is a really important stepping point for Leo because this really is a test in his character development and how you know he's going to handle the feedback that Hazel and Frank will give him because They are honest, and I think that's one great characteristic about the two of them, is that they're not afraid to speak what's on their mind, and that's really going to help Leo in his character development and be able to, you know, go against what Nemesis had prophesied and how Leo would be left behind. So after this break, we're going to read chapter 39 and see how exactly Leo is now going to combat a bunch of mannequins that were originally thought to be not working based off of Leo's you know guarantees, <laughs> but we're gonna see how he's gonna be able to combat this, and whether Hazel and Frank will be able to help him, or hell, or they'll gonna that taser is gonna affect them pretty bad. So after the break, we'll read chapter thirty nine, and see you then. And we're back from the ads, and now we're gonna read chapter thirty nine, Leo. Leo agreed with Nemesis about one thing. Good luck was a sham. At least when it came to Leo's luck. Last winter, what he had watched in horror while a family of Cyclops prepared to roast Jason and Piper with hot sauce. He'd schemed his way out of that one and saved his friends all by himself, but at least he had time to think. Now, not so much. Hazel and Frank had been knocked out by the tendrils of a possessed steampunk bowling ball. Two suits of armor with bad attitudes were about to kill him. Leo couldn't blast them with fire. Suits of armor wouldn't be hurt by that. Besides, Hazel and Frank were too close. He didn't want to burn them or accidentally hit the piece of fire that the head controlled Frank's life. On Leo's right, the suit of armor with the lion's head helmet creaked its wiry neck and regarded Hazel and Frank, who were still lying unconscious. "'A male and female demigod,' said Lionhead. "'These will do if the others die.'" His hollow face, mask turned back to Leo. "'We do not need you, Leo Valdez.'" Oh, hey! Leo tried for a winning smile. You always need Leo Valdez. He spread his hands and hoped he'd look confident and useful, not desperate and terrified. He wondered if it was too late to write Team Leo on his shirt. Sadly, the suits of armor were not as easily swayed as the narcissist fan club had been. The one with the wolf-headed helmet had snarled. I have been in your mind, Leo. I helped you start the war. Leo's smile crumbled. He took a step back. That... Was you? Now he understood why those tourists had bothered him right away, and why this thing's voice sounded so, so familiar. He'd heard it in his mind. You made me fire the ballista? Leo demanded. You call that helping? I know how you think, said Wolfhead. I know your limits. You are small and alone. You need friends to protect you. Without them, you are unable to withstand me. I vowed not to possess you again, but I can still kill you." The armored dude stepped forward. The points of their swords hovered a few inches from Leo's face. Leo's fear suddenly made way for a whole lot of anger. This Eidolon in the wolf helmet had shamed him, controlled him, and made him attack New Rome. It had endangered his friends and botched their quest. Leo glanced at the doorman's fears on the work tables. He considered his tool belt. He thought about the loft behind him. The area that looked like a sound booth, presto, Operation Junkpile was born. First, you don't know me, he told Wolfhead, and second, bye. He lunged for the stairs and bounded to the top. The suits of armor were scary, but they were not fast. As Leo suspected, the loft had doors on either side, folding metal gates. The operators would have wanted protection in case their creations went haywire, like now. Leo slammed both gates shut and summoned fire to his hands, fusing the locks. The suits of armor closed in on either side. They rattled the gates, hacking at them with their swords. This is foolish, said Lionhead. You only delay your death. Delaying death is one of my favorite hobbies. Leo scanned his new home. Overlooking the workshop was a single table like a control board. It was crowded with junk, but most of it Leo dismissed immediately. A diagram for a human catapult that would never work. A strange black sword. He, Leo was no good with swords. A large, large bronze mirror. Leo's reflection looked terrible. And a set of tools that someone had broken, either in frustration or clumsiness. He focused on the main project. In the center of the table, someone had disassembled the Archimedes' sphere. Gears, springs, levers, and rods were littered around it. All the bronze cables to the room were connected to a metal plate under the sphere. Leo could sense the celestial bronze running through the workshop like arteries from a heart, ready to conduct magical energy from the spot. One basketball to rule them all, Leo muttered. This sphere was a master regulator. He was standing at ancient Rome mission control. "'Leo Valdez!' The spirit, the spirit howled. "'Open this door, gate, or I will kill you.' "'A fair and generous offer,' Leo said, his eyes still on the sphere. Let "'Just let me finish this. The last request, all right?' Now it must have confused the spirit, spirits because they momentarily stopped hacking at the bars. Leo's hands flew over the sphere, reassembling its missing pieces. "'Why did the stupid Romans have to take apart such a beautiful machine?' They'd killed Archimedes, stolen his stuff, then messed with a piece of equipment they could never understand. On the other hand, at least they'd had the sense to lock it away for 2,000 years so that Leo could retrieve it. The Eidolons started pounding on the gates again. "'Who is it?' Leo called. "'Valdez!' Wolfhead bellowed. "'Valdez who?' Leo asked. Eventually, the Eidolons would realize they couldn't get in. Then if Wolfhead truly knew Leo's mind, he would decide there were other ways to force his cooperation.' Leo had to work faster. He connected the gears, got one wrong, and it's hard to start again. He his hand, grenades, this was hard. Finally, he got the last spring in place. The ham-fisted Romans had almost ruined the tension adjuster, but Leo pulled a set of watchmaker's tools from his belt and did some final collaborations. Archimedes... Was a genius, assuming this thing actually worked. He wound the starter coil. The g- gears be- began to turn. Leo closed the top of the sphere and studied its con- concentric circles, similar to the ones on the vo- workshop door. Valdez! Wolfhead pounded on the gate. Our third comrade will kill your friends. Leo cursed under his breath. Our third comrade. He glanced down at the spin-spinely-legged ball that had knocked down Hazel and Frank. He had figured Eidolon number 3 was hiding inside that thing but Leo still had to deduce the right sequence to activate this control sphere. Yeah, okay, he called me. You got me, just a sec. No more seconds, Wolfhead shouted. Open this gate now, or they die. The possessed taser ball lashed out with its tendrils and sent another shock through Hazel and Frank. Their unconscious bodies flinched. That kind of electricity might have stopped their hearts. Leo held back tears. This was too hard. He couldn't do it. He stared at the face of the sphere. Seven rings, each one covered with tiny Greek letters, numbers, and zodiac signs. The answer wouldn't be pi. Archimedes would never do the same thing twice. Besides, just putting his hand on the sphere, Leo could feel that the sequence had been generated randomly. It was something only Archimedes would know. Supposedly, Archimedes' last words had been, Don't disturb my circles. No one knew what that meant, but Leo had a, could apply it to the sphere. The lock was much too complicated. Maybe if Leo had a few years, he could disguise, decipher the markings and figure out the right combination. But he didn't even have a few seconds. He was out of time, out of luck, and his friends were going to die. problem you cannot solve, said a voice in his mind. Nemesis. She told him to expect this moment. Leo thrust his hand in his pocket and brought out the fortune cookie. The goddess had warned him of a great price for help. As great as losing an eye. But if he didn't try, his friends would die. I need the access code for the sphere, he said. He broke open the cookie. And that's the end of chapter 39. That certainly was probably one of the greatest chapters that I've read so far. I think in terms of character development, one of easily the best chapters I think I've ever seen because now we truly get to see more of Leo's perspective, more of Leo's character. Beforehand, we were, you know, seeing insecure Leo. You know, Leo being scared that, you know, maybe he was going to end up all alone. Maybe nobody would want to be his friend. Maybe everybody talking to him was just taking pity on him or just was talking to him just because they were part of his team. But this moment right here, is probably one of the reasons where he truly gets to know... he truly gets to feel the value of friendship. The thing that he'd been wanting for so long, for some love, I think he's finally going to get it. And I think this is where is a turning point in terms for Leo, because he's lived with so much trauma. And I think being able to find solace and closure with friends, with Hazel and Frank, I think that's going to be a really big turning point for Leo. I think that's what's inevitably going to help him overcome his trauma and going to help him just overall improve himself as well. Because obviously, he does have a few flaws. You know, everybody has a few flaws. But, you know, I think with the help of his friends, he's definitely going to get over that. And I think that's what we can really appreciate about Leo. And in some ways, he's actually kind of similar to Percy. Because... Both of them are incredibly smart. And both of them are easily misunderstood at first glance. But once you start to get them knower, once you start to get to know them at a deeper level, you truly understand for who they are. And you truly start to appreciate them for who they are. So, yeah. I think that this definitely was a fantastic episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it just as much as I did reading that episode. Um, I do see you uh, your uh, everyone's comments and feedbacks uh, regarding you know third chapters and sometimes yes um, I do think that having a third chapter sometime is gonna help a lot with in terms of you know maybe sometimes making the episode longer and maybe just you know helping with the cohesiveness of it Um, so yes I will definitely be doing more of three chapters um, in the future in the near future and hopefully I'm able to do just as well of his job as I'm hopefully I'm doing now, uh, hopefully I'm doing a good job, um, but i just like to say I thank you all for listening to this episode, I thank you all for the feedback that you guys are giving me, um, I will do shoutouts soon, um, I'm very sorry, but I will, I do know that I have been, you know, I guess pushing it for some time, but I will start get to doing shoutouts, I think it's a wonderful idea, and I think it's a great way to show, You know all the support you guys have been showing and to finally get some recognition for it so um yeah if you guys would like to get a shout out please let me know uh and I would be glad to do it so just like me to shout out your name go ahead your nickname anything you want as long as it's appropriate and no cuss words (laughs) or anything inappropriate but um yeah thank you guys for this so much uh, thank you guys for all the support that you show and if you'd like to show some extra support s- show some extra support um in the description of my podcast uh there is a link to my patreon again totally optional but if you guys would like to show some extra support it would be greatly appreciated um but other than that I have no other announcements. So once again, thank you guys for listening. And until next week, stay safe and stay out of boredom.